This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. The five-day, 40-hour work week is such an entrenched part of our culture that it's easy to forget it's all just made up. The concept of a weekend and a work week is a completely human invention, and a relatively recent one, too. The five-day work week has only been around for over 100 years. But things used to be worse for employees. After the Industrial Revolution, limiting working hours to an eight-hour workday and securing two days off a week was a big win for labor rights. And while things used to be worse, it was predicted that they would be a lot better by now. In fact, in the late 1920s, John Maynard Keynes predicted that technology would bring the work week down to just 15 hours within 100 years, so by this decade. And even some members of the U.S. Senate predicted in 1965 that Americans would only be working 14-hour weeks by the year 2000, a.k.a. 22 years ago. While technology hasn't progressed in quite as dramatic ways as those predictions, there's a lot of research that suggests that shorter weeks lead to improved health, higher employee retention rates, and that working fewer hours actually makes people more productive. That's because more hours doesn't usually equal better work outcomes. In fact, studies have shown that people who work longer hours perform more poorly on some mental tasks than those who work fewer hours. Yet changing the way we think about working days and hours is a huge and fundamental shift for society. It's going to take us a while to get there, but now more companies are starting to think differently. Joining me to discuss the future of workplace flexibility are Kenzo Fong and Josh Foreman. Kenzo is the CEO and founder of Rock, who recently wrote for Fast Company about asynchronous work. And Josh is the CEO and founder of Indebted, who recently wrote about how his company moved to a four-day work week. Kenzo and Josh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us on. So I think when a lot of people hear flexible hours, they think of kind of like the bare minimum of flexibility, right? Like letting employees like leave a little bit early or start a little bit late once in a while if they have a doctor's appointment or something. But there's a lot more inventive ways that companies are thinking about flexibility right now. Kenzo, can you can you talk through some of those? I know that you're an advocate of asynchronous hours. Can you explain like even how that works? That's a great question. So uh, when I was previously at Google and Uber, I spent so much time in meetings, right? And it was literally like, I started at 8 a.m., I finished at 8 p.m. because I, I used to talk to people in Europe, I used to talk to people in Asia, and it was just like this nonstop, like, death by meeting, right? And I thought there would be, there could be a better way of doing that. And I think it is very much about asynchronous by default, right? And like, when we say asynchronous by default, if you look at like what actually needs to happen when you work with somebody else, it, there's some stuff where you really need to talk to each other in person. But there's a lot of stuff where like a meeting could easily be an email or um, a, a, like a, a document or a task or something that's that's way more asynchronous. And if you really make that like mental switch to asynchronous by default, right, and you don't like immediately say, "Let me book some time with you to to uh, discuss this thing," but you actually think about what is the best way to communicate? And usually you can do this async, right? And that means instead of sending uh, a message on Slack, which is real-time, very disruptive, instead of trying to do the 
calendaring thing where you try to find time and like nobody like all these like schedule all these scheduling conflicts instead of doing that right like usually you can just write down your thoughts really document it as a task as a note as something that's more of a topic and then when somebody gets to that they can get to that and as a result uh, work becomes way more organized uh, you have a lot of flexibility in how you like actually like organize your day plus you spend way less time in meetings uh, which is great because then you can actually focus on the things that like actually require deep work and a lot of thought and like so in general um, that's what we advocate so I want to get I, I meetings is like one of the biggest things I thought of when when I was thinking about what we we're going to discuss today and so I want to kind of set the meeting piece aside and get back to that because I know that that's a huge you know a huge issue for a lot of people can you explain though when you're talking about asynchronous like working asynchronously like by default how does that look within the company is literally people work whenever they want to and nobody is kind of online or in the office or anything like that at the same time or is there a certain set of time where people are synchronous and expected to to be together and then the rest of the time is is asynchronous yeah so um it's um it's primarily asynchronous so we don't require anyone to be online at any given time right like in our case like if you want to work from nine to five that's great if you want to work from five to nine that's also great it's totally up to you um and uh, the way we do that is um, we only do a handful of meetings at most, or I do a handful of meetings. Most people in the team do like one or two meetings a week. Uh, and that's really to discuss things that you cannot like discuss over text or like a task or a note, right? And, and that's really like an, an actual conversation. And like we save that time for more complicated and complex discussions, like a brainstorm, like something where you need to like actually hash out something. But everything else is asynchronous. Like in our case, we have people in 10 countries, uh, seven time zones, like basically every continent except for Antarctica and Australia, right? So like even if we wanted to talk in person, right? Like there is this limited window where we can actually do that. So we might be a bit extreme, even though I think most companies will move more towards this model where like if you're in New York, you're in New York. And like if you want to work with people in San Francisco, there's still this time gap, right? So asynchronous solves a lot of those problems especially if it's like the default like way of communication. I think that's like super helpful because it allows you to focus not just on like online presenteeism, right? Like escape online, like issue like online status indicator green, but it, it's really about like, well, what's your output, right? Like, what are you actually doing? Are, are you being productive? And like, it shouldn't really matter if you're productive, like I said, from like five to nine instead of like nine to five, right? It's totally up to the team member to figure out like what makes them most productive. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're going to get back to and probably touch on with the with the four-day work week too, is that it's a shift in mindset, right, to like a results-based culture rather than a, I used to say like uh, butts in the seats or like seeing people, call, you know, like time spent culture. It's it's more of a, of, a results-based culture. You know, the other kind of big way we're thinking about flexibility is the four-day work week. And the idea of it isn't new. You know, it's it's, act, it's something like we've been covering at Fast Company, for example, for at least five years. But it's been gaining a lot of momentum in the last couple of years. And we're seeing a lot more companies um, and even some governments like uh, Japan and Spain and the UK are starting to kind of experiment with versions of the four-day work week. Josh, I'd be really interested First, you know, to to hear why you think, you know, a bigger picture, like why you think it's been 
taking hold more recently? And then subsequently, your journey to the four-day work week at your company. Yeah, definitely. So I think um, your, your first point around why it's, I think, gaining a lot of momentum and, and really has taken hold, I think is, is heavily correlated with the pandemic and the, and the whole way that a large portion of the global workforce has had to change. I think innovative companies, you know, particularly those coming out of places like Silicon Valley, have been you know, very forward-thinking when it comes to this sort of way of working. But I think what the pandemic has presented is that that has pushed it across a whole range of categories, including government, like you mentioned, in some places where they're now being forced to rethink and not just rethink about how many time you know, or hours or, or days you're in the office, but you know, even to Kenzo's point around like how you actually work, where you actually work. And I think that has then you know, presented this opportunity to go, okay, well, why is it 40 hours or 38 hours a week exactly? And, and why is it confined to X number of days in the office? And why is it not sort of outcome driven, like you mentioned before, as opposed to output driven? To me, and, and certainly you know, for our you know, journey, which I'll speak to in a moment, is probably the, the primary factor is that we've had this large, you know, larger shift that, that has also been, I'd say, adopted by more incumbent industries that would otherwise probably be resistant to change like this, you know, particularly those organization structures that really encourage people to be in the office and, and then use that as a, a proxy of, I guess, productivity, uh, which I don't think is actually the case. For us, it, it was very much that. So we found ourselves, to Kenzo's point before, we have people in every continent, including Australia, so just not Antarctica. <laughs> I was going to say, why not Australia? Before yeah, that? yeah. <laughs> so we found ourselves in a position where we are onboarding a whole bunch of talent around the world. Uh, we need to have a completely distributed and remote first working model. Otherwise, you know, we don't have the ability to access the, the best talent. That then presents all these time zone challenges, which we then had to look at a whole bunch of asynchronous working ways and, and a few other things to overcome. Yet we still saw this, I would say there's a few key things that were still left over for us. A huge level of burnout across the business. And I think that was because people found themselves in front of their computer working all the time, right? The, the one thing that the office and, and sort of the traditional work approach did give is it gave a very sort of clear start and end. And of course, people would always take some stuff home. But when you wake up in front of your computer and you go to bed in front of the computer, we started seeing people, you know, do many, many, many more hours, lots more meetings, a whole bunch of other stuff there. And, and that was that was problematic. And then when you couple that with a whole part, you know, bunch of the world that is going in and out of lockdowns and people can't travel, people can't get the normal, you know, let's call it stress relief and, and the sort of the things that they need to, to find that balance. That was a clear point because so many of the competitive advantages our business used to rely on, you know, remote first, fully distributed, were becoming the norm. There was also this huge need for us to find a, a way to attract amazing talent and, and retain that amazing talent within our business. And the, probably the third thing for us is what we were seeing within that amazing talent that was coming in. The people who are joining the business today, and I think, you know, the vast majority of the workforce have this notion of, you know, there's work, you know, their personal life, but th there's something else that they also want to do. Now that could be, you know, starting a new family, it could be starting a new venture, it could be philanthropic hobbies or whatever they wanted to do. And, and that part seemed to be something that was so important for a large majority of our workforce, yet they had never had time to do it. And so when we looked at the notion of, you know, rolling out a four-day work week, it really touched on those three things. It would provide a way to get people out of, the, let's say, the screen, get them doing something else that they want, that fulfills that need, and then, you know, obviously providing a stress reliever for those people, but also providing a really great way for us to attract and retain talent in the business. Um, and so I think that's how we landed um, where we are today. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really important point because every, you know, tinged under everything we talk about is the great resignation and the, and the, you know, the labor squeeze that everybody's feeling. And 
yeah, a four-day work week, asynchronous hours, flexibility is in in all of its forms is a humongous way to attract talent. For the four-day work week, like I said, it's not like a new concept. It's been around for a while. And a lot of companies do it a, a very differently. You know, there's a couple of, of different, uh, common different approaches. There's like alternating who has the day off. So it's not like every Friday is off. It's like certain people are off on, on certain days. Your company is still operational five days a week, but everybody individually works four days. Or there's the squeezing the the 40 hours into the four days. So you're just working longer days on those four days. Um, or there's, you know, the traditional like Friday, our company is closed. Can you talk through some of those different approaches and and maybe kind of the pros and cons of, of them and, and how you landed on and what you landed on? Yeah, definitely. The one you mentioned just then around having, you know, 40 hours within four days, I think fundamentally defeats the purpose. Um, it, it certainly gives a person a, an, an extra day off, but it doesn't really reduce that amount of work output. And I think we all know that days usually stretch beyond what they already are anyway. So if you're now expecting to squeeze you know, 10 hours into a day minimum, that becomes 12, it becomes 14, and that becomes you know, unproductive in, it, in its own right. And I think there's also the caveat here that each business is different. Uh, and I, in fact, think it, a four-day work week isn't for every business. And I think that's something that you know, it's a, a big misconception. I'm sure we can speak about some of those things. But the, the way we looked at it and how we wanted to balance it was Ideally, we would like everybody to be off on a consistent day, but we obviously have to factor relevant to our business. We do run a 24-7 global customer service operation. We have clients that expect to hear from us you know, on, on a Friday. Um, and a Friday is different depending on whether you're in Sydney or whether you're in Los Angeles. Um, so we, we obviously have to manage those components. But for us, it was, I think we, we landed on the vast majority, like over 85% of our workforce have Friday off, um, where we have needs to serve customers or respond to clients and we manage a a rostering basis so someone else can find another day, whether that's a Wednesday or whether it's a Monday. But the reason we landed on, you know, we'll call it a, a true 32-hour, four-day work week with the vast majority of the business off on a Friday is it really does encourage people to be tools down and, and actually step away from their devices. The, the fear we had was that if we allowed people to schedule it or we randomized it across teams, We'd have some teams, let's say, who are working on a Friday, messaging the teams who are not working on a Friday, which is encouraging them to jump on Slack, to jump on Gmail and start responding to those work queries. Whereas when we've got the, let's say, 85% of the workforce off, it truly does feel like you know, it's a public holiday or, or a weekend. I feel like we've been with both of these conversations, like dancing around some of the the pain points, which I think are inevitable to come up. And I'd be really interested to hear how both of you have, have worked through them. So, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, if you're asynchronous and you don't expect an immediate response, how do you break that habit, you know, of like ping slack, I better check it right now. Or how do you break the habit of, oh, well, I'm just going to check in on Fridays, even though Fridays is, you know, supposed to be the day off. And and then when somebody checks in and then that makes somebody else check in and kind of that like cascade of, of work. How have you managed those things? Either, e- either and or both. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for my company, we've taken the non-traditional approach, which is I don't think repurposing tools like Slack or uh, Asana or like any of those tools like actually work for more asynchronous work style. Right. Um, and that's primarily because most of these products are actually built for engagement. Right. Like in the same way that social media is built for engagement, Slack is very much built for engagement, where like you get that notification sound, it like increases like whatever levels in your like blood, which like 
spike and you're like, oh, I need to respond to this. We're trying to take out some of that anxiety to, to bring that balance back. There's a bunch of other things that you need to do uh, from a culture perspective, from a process perspective. And a lot of it is built on trust. And like, uh, as Josh said earlier, right? Like it's really about like output and not like the number of hours that you're actually online. But it does start with that, right? It starts with, are you using the right productivity stack? Are you using the right tools that have that asynchronous by default behavior built in? And then as a company, what are you doing culture-wise and process-wise to actually make sure that everybody knows that it's okay, that you don't need to respond right away? Yeah, the culture-wise part, Josh, I'm wondering if you could weigh in there on, you know, I'm thinking, I hear it all the time of, oh, you know, we're flexible, we're, you know, you can take your vacation, you should you should take, you know, time off, you should do all of these things. You You hear it but then you don't see it modeled from management, especially. And then, you know, obviously if your manager is telling you one thing, but doing something else, then you're apt to do what they do and, and check in and, and not, and not unplug. How have you managed that? And is, is management modeling the behavior that, that you want to see? Yeah, I, I think that was going to be one of my key sort of call outs on, on one of the challenges of implementing and, and one of the things that we, we use as, I guess, a status indicator of, of success um, and one of the, the core things that we check, um, you know, within our a cultural sort of, you know, within culture amp on our pulse surveys around how well this is actually working is the, it's probably two things. Obviously, are we actually seeing people take it? And, and that we really basically derive through this notion of, are you able to complete all of your outcomes and your goals within a four-day work week? Because really, the, at least our, you know, our, I guess our position is, if someone is able to get everything done that they need to do, then they would most likely nine times out of 10 take that extra time off, have that Friday off, for example. What's really going to draw them in on that Friday or really going to draw them in on that extra day is the need to accomplish things they haven't been able to accomplish during the week. And so we, we called out a few things. One was definitely obviously modeling this. If you see your manager, if you see, you know, even me, the CEO, I, I, I take my four-day work week, right? Now, obviously, there's a lot to run a company. And I still obviously have other things that maybe pop up from time to time. And that's fine. We respect that with other people as well. But where possible, and, and ideally nine times out of 10, try and actually take that time off, model that across your team and encourage it. When it's not working, when you're finding that people aren't actually getting through what they need to get through, then I think that comes down to two things is, is the goals correct on what that person's trying to achieve? And that could be whatever goal program, whether it's OKRs or, or whatever it is that they implement and, and try and follow. And the second one is like, is the resourcing accurate for that team? Uh, one of the things we found during implementation when we sort of went from team to team, so from, from engineering to product to customer's you know, experience, and we went across the whole organization, we said, you know, do you think you can roll out to a four-day work week? And when do you think you could start? And the natural sort of the quick, quick wins, product engineering teams, they're already so used to working um, in such a flexible and asynchronous way. It was like, absolutely, we can do this and we can start tomorrow. Larger parts of the organization where we've got scheduling and, and rostering and stuff like that took a little bit longer. But the real consistent trend on the on the delay to getting it implemented was a lack of resourcing. And that re usually was a reflection of they're trying to scale their teams, there's you know open roles that need to be filled. Uh, and those were sort of the barriers that until those teams were built, until those resources were within that part of the organization, then other people were pulling the, that sort of slack that was missing. And the notion of getting to a four-day work week wasn't possible. Um, and so sort of chicken and egg, because by implementing the four-day work week, we attract amazing talent, we can fill those roles quicker. And, and so I think that was about finding a balance on, we do want to get here for the whole organization. Obviously, not everyone's going to be ready day one. 
But as an organization, we need to take that first step and then work together to work out how we can do that and, and how well uh, it's actually adopted. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Have you found because people are working fewer hours, you know, once you are staffed up at the levels that you need to be, have you found that with people working fewer hours, there are gaps in, in that you need, you know, an additional person on a team or that people are able to get all of their previously 40, 50 hour a week work done in 32 hours? The vast majority can get it done within 32 hours. Um, the only parts where we definitely have to resource is where it's a sort of, you know, I would say a direct time requirement. So we must have customer service staff available on a Friday to speak to consumers. And so therefore, you know, we have to put a, a basically an uplift. Um, and we looked at that and the way we factored that into a part of our business case was those parts of the organization, let's assume if there's no productivity increase by rolling out the four-day work week, we're going to have to have a 20% uplift in those team sizes. How does that cost and that sort of element of our business contrast with all the other positives that we see on the on the other side? What we found in in sort of actuality as we went through it is that there was definitely productivity increases. There were definitely things that we could do. And so it wasn't an actually 20% uplift in those parts of the organization. It was probably about half of that. But that was still a, a very worthwhile, you know, trade-off in our, in, at least in our mind. Yeah. So I, I want to get back to meetings because it's it's like the biggest bane of everybody's existence, right? And it seems like it's just, especially I feel like in remote work, the amount of meetings have gone up. You know, certainly in my in my job, it has in part because we're not in the same place. You kind of can't have those casual like, oh, let me just, you know, pop into your office and talk to you for five minutes. You end up scheduling a whole meeting around it. And Kenzo, I know you said that you've cut down on meetings a lot, which makes sense for asynchronous work. Josh, I'd also be interested to hear how how you approach meetings, but what's the way, the method to decide on what meetings you can cut? And, you know, how do you decide what meetings need to remain and how to make those work in these kind of more flexible schedules? I think especially with asynchronous work, if everybody's not expected to be on at the same time, do you have touch points of like when you do all be on at the same time? Yeah, I have a ton of thoughts. <laughs> uh, not all good about meetings. So in, in general, right? Like I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with like face-to-face -face time, right? And I think what what most teams actually don't realize is that it's the most precious time that you have, especially if you're a distributed team, work across multiple time zones. So that time should really be used for things that you do not, that you cannot easily get asynchronously, right? You, you just lose a lot of context when you write something down or you don't get like all the background on something, right? So when I say like no to meetings, right? Like it's really about like no to the meetings that could be an email, could be a document, could be a, a task or a note. And it's, uh, there are a lot of those meetings, right? Like in most companies I've been at, it's it's like a status update meeting, which is let's do a roundtable um, like update from everybody, right? And everybody spends like two to three uh, minutes going through their updates. And at, at the end of the meeting, um, like that's basically the meeting. And like all of that like is um, not highly effective, not highly productive, because it's probably better to just open up a document or like start a note, write down your updates and just share that because then it's documented. If you cannot join that meeting, you can just go back and like read up on what Josh is doing or like what somebody on your team is doing. So documenting it like for those types of things way better. Um, then 
I think the biggest mistake most companies made when uh, when the pandemic happened and um, lockdowns and office closures happened was they just said, hey, you know what? We have all these different tools um, and all these different processes that we were used to in the office. So let's just like it's, this is going to be OK, right? Like just go home, just keep on using like Slack and like all these different things. And let's let's do like all these things that we were used to in the office. And like to your point, right? Like you cannot easily do this thing where I walk up to your desk and say, hey, Kate, like what's going on with this project, right? Like that now like requires an actual meeting if you stick to that old model. It is really about like rethinking that, right? And then there's also this like human fallacy around like we are like super social as creatures. So like if we book a 30 minute meeting, we will fill that 30 minute like time slot because we will just talk, right? Like if it's a 60 minute meeting, we will just fill that 60 minute like time slot. And I think if you have like too many of those, like that's basically your entire day. And as a result, people are working longer hours. They like try to get work done during the work day. And then like once they're done, they start their actual work. And as a result, like you end up working like 10, 11 hours or like whatever. And right, like for all those different reasons, I think like async is just a lot better even if you are like back to an in-office environment or a hybrid environment. And so within that though, do you plan once a week or once a month or every or other week of face-to-face or Zoom meetings? Or is it just none? Yeah, for sure. Like we're, we're not like that radical about this, right? So we say asynchronous by default, but if you really need to, right? Like you should do a Zoom, you can, you can do like a video call and like, We've built all of this into Rock as a product because I, I don't think it makes sense to just say, let's go to cold turkey and everybody's async and we will never like actually see each other again. I think that's going to be like pretty sad. That would have the um, impact on culture too. Like how? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, how do you deal with that? If especially if you know you're you're never kind of working at the same time, let alone seeing each other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we are just a very very strict about like if we call like a bigger meeting so more than five people there needs to be an agenda at least 24 hours in advance everybody can like add their agenda topics to it and if there's nothing to discuss in a specific like week we just cancel the meeting in advance so everybody can just plan their day around it and that's mostly for group meetings i, I still do a bunch of different one-on-ones on a weekly basis i don't like i don't talk to everybody in the team like every week and like that would definitely not scale um, but i think just talking to somebody one-on-one. And, and this can be about anything, right? Like uh, it could be work-related, but in, in some cases or in most cases, we just end up talking about life and like what everybody's working on. And I think that basically replaces um, like the social and the cultural aspects of things. Uh, but in general, I think most group meetings, I think either should just be written down and documented and done asynchronously or um, they should actually be something that like is worthwhile discussing in person like a brainstorm, like something that's a bit more complex and complicated uh, to hash out. Yeah, that makes sense. And and Josh, I'd love to hear from you because I, you know, had this experience recently. Like whenever we, there's a, you know, a holiday, I think the most recent one was Martin Luther King Day and we had a four-day week. At first I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Only four days this week. And then by the, either the first or second day, I'm like, oh, all of my meetings that I would have had on that day that we were off work have now been squeezed into these four days. And so now these four days are horrendous. They're even more meeting packed than my normal week. How do you solve for that? Yeah, definitely. And and I, I really agree with uh, Kenzo's point around as we transitioned into being, you know, fully distributed and remote, we carried those practices of, of the office into basically Zoom meetings or team meetings, whatever it is that, that those organizations do. 
And by virtue of that fact, there was just meetings for the sake of meetings. And, and I think the word that everyone was throwing around probably six months into the pandemic was like Zoom fatigue, too much time on Zoom. And so when we looked for like the first opportunity to give people more time, we're like, okay, well, if you're going to go to a four-day work week, the first thing we really need to do is try and save up as much extra time for each person so they're able to get everything else done within that four-day work week. The first thing that we targeted as an organization was meetings. And I think there was two things that, that it provided. It was also, I think, a opportunity for everybody. I think there's something with meetings where once it's up and running, particularly recurring meetings, and they're the worst ones because they're in the calendar every single week, once they're there, there's quite a resistance to shortening those meetings or canceling those meetings altogether, even though probably the vast majority of the participants agree with the way Kenzo approached it, which is we can just do this on a Google Doc, right? But the reality is you've already got it there. You've done it every other week. It just becomes habitual, and so you do it. And I think because of that resistance, your calendar fills up to your point, K, and then you end up having, when you've got that day off, it just gets pushed into four. So what we said for everyone in the organization was the first thing we want you all to do is to attack your calendar from a meetings perspective, particularly recurring meetings. Um, can you cancel them? If you can't cancel them, can you shorten them? You know, can we take a 60 into a 30, a 30 into a 15, a 15 into a five-minute stand-up um, and try and free that calendar time up in order to actually do that productive, deep work that is really the the output and the outcomes that you're looking for as an organization as opposed to that notion of time of being together. Again, don't have to be to the point where you don't want people to have meetings because obviously you do want people to interact and engage. And certainly for me, I think the biggest challenge with a fully distributed uh, and remote workforce is actually getting that engagement that you used to get in a physical setting. Certainly that's the one big thing that's missed. The way we look at that though is, well, that's really where we should be using that time. Right. So if it is a team actually huddling together and trying to brain solve a solution with a pro the product or trying to overcome an issue that a customer is going through, that's great time together as opposed to, you know, that status update way that Kenzo mentioned. And the other one is, you know, if we do have time to actually get people together in an actual physical place, that is some of the most beneficial and valuable time we have as an organization. And the probably the worst use of that in my mind is sitting in meeting rooms doing we'll call it normal meetings, get people together, building relationships, building culture, building the things that you need so that when you go back to that more asynchronous way of working, that more distributed way of working, people still have that underlying relationship, that one thing that I think was missing um, that you just don't get as easily when you, when you don't have a sort of physical in the office sort of nine to five presence. Yeah, that's a great point that you both have made that kind of rethink like the reason to meet with somebody and talk to somebody is sometimes very little to do with actual work, right? It's it's more of the like relationship building part. And that's the reason to interact in person with somebody or over Zoom with somebody rather than like, yeah, status updates and that sort of thing. You both have touched on this a little bit already. I'm imagining a lot of people listening to this are like doing the like, well, yeah, but that couldn't work for me sort of thing. These sorts of uh, versions of flexibility won't work for every company. Are there companies that, that this wouldn't work for? Um, either asynchronous or, or four-day work week or other types of flexibility, will it just not work for some jobs? And is there something else that they could do that they could think of? Uh, definitely, it's not going to work for every organization. I think that would be a, a misconception that it's just going to be a, a one-size-fits-all approach, though I think there's a lot that... I think if we had wound the clock back three years ago and asked some major organizations, think about some of like the biggest companies in the country, 
about could they fully push their entire workforce to work remotely, particularly even government organizations. That's probably the absolute top end of, of that spectrum. They would have been like, oh, no, here's all those reasons why, like you mentioned, you throw a pandemic into the mix and it's fight or flight. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got the vast majority of the workforce, you know, being able to work from home. And most of that, like you said, was a, was a, con- like a misconception or a conception that was placed there, which is if people are not in the office, they're not getting work done. Um, and so when you when you finally forced to prove whether that's true or not, and you see that that's, that it's not, that opens up a whole whole layer of things. I think the organizations that struggle the most, though, without question, will be ones that have legacy built into their ways of working that are really hard for them to break away from. So, like, if you don't have the right tooling to be able to do, um, you know, distributed communication, Slack, Zoom, you know, Rock, whatever it might be for your organization, then fundamentally you're going to be at a, di- you know, at a disadvantage to organizations that do already or did already work that way beforehand um, because I think you do need to have a certain level of tooling. And then the other part, at least, that I would focus on is the cultural element, like the why are you doing it? I think when you do it as a reactionary basis because, let's say, for example, we've got to work from home because there's a pandemic, that's not ideal, right? If the organizations that were already fully distributed and remote when the pandemic rolled around, it was like, oh, this is just the same as every other day. Um, that came from a different place, a different motivation. And I think about the same when I think about the four-day work week and I think about the same when I look at that the other way. If you're only doing it to react to a talent problem, then there's probably an underlying deeper issue, you know, in like your ability to attract talent more generally. There's probably more deeper-seated issues in terms of like why you're being reactionary to it. I think it has to come from a genuine good place where, you want to challenge the traditional way of working. You want to have the very best environment for your team to work in. You want to attract the very best talent in the world. You want to retain that very best talent. And you you want to find the absolute ideal way to work in the modern day. And I think if you have that as your motivation, invariably you're going to hit challenges along the way, but you'll tackle those challenges far better uh, than if you're sort of being, I guess, pushed or forced across that line. Yeah, when you like actually think about like what we understand an office to be, right? And um, I, I did some like reading on this like some time back. Like if you actually think about like the office as we know it today, like basically started like 150 years ago, right? Like somewhere in England or like whatever. Like I might be making this up, but like <laughs> an office used to be this actual place that you went to because the means of production were in that office, right? So let's say your administration, your files, your like typewriter, your computer, your mainframe computer, your personal computer, like all of those different things, you really needed to go to this one place to get work done, right? I think most companies or especially companies where the means of production can actually be anywhere, right? Like you can, you have a laptop, you have internet, and it's like the the Maslow's like pyramid of like remote worker needs, right? You need to have internet, you need to have a computer, you need to have electricity, like a bunch of different things, right? If you can look at like whatever your business is and like it actually comes down to, you can literally do this from anywhere. I think you don't necessarily need to have an office um, and you don't need to be in the office or the office as we know it today. And you should probably replace that, right? Like you should probably say, hey, like even if we're doing hybrid, you can work from anywhere, you can work from your home, you can work from the beach can work from a converted sprinter fan as what I'm doing most of the days to um, maybe setting up a space where it's like, okay, come into this place named TBD, but this is where we come to just like hang out, socialize, brainstorm, do those types of things. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you run a business where the actual means of production are still in this like central location because you're in manufacturing or you're doing something like that, like actually requires people to be in that location, then 
it will be more difficult to switch to a like remote way of working, uh, even though async, I think, is this like layer that like should be um, uh, applicable to pretty much any business because I think it, it's it's just better for like a bunch of reasons that I've mentioned, right? Yeah. Before we wrap up, I I want to let both of you brag a little bit about you know how what kind of results you've seen at your companies um, from instituting these new policies. I think in general, um, work life balance is a lot better. Like way less meetings, so um, everybody has more time to do deep work. Um, I think in general, like way less distractions. Um, one thing that we've seen from a talent uh, perspective is that like. And Josh has the same thing. Like we literally have people everywhere, right? Like from Brazil to the Netherlands to um, Eswatini. And it's um, just being able to work with people from all these different places. Um, most likely, like if I was still at like Google or Uber, I would have never been able to hire any of these people, even though they're like super talented, right? Like super talented, super smart. And I think because we're distributed, I think that opens up the talent pool and the, the people that you can like work with as a company which is great, especially because I think it really helps with bringing in perspective that like I wouldn't have. I'm in San Francisco, I've been in tech for my entire career. So even though I, I try to be open to as many things as possible, right? Like people from different countries and different environments like bring in a different perspective. And I think that's one of the main benefits of being able to, um, to work in a distributed manner where you can literally work from anywhere. Um, you can have people on the team from anywhere. Um, and I would say that's probably the biggest benefit. Yeah, and and Josh, I'm I'm wondering if you've seen results as far as in employee burnout, um, productivity. I know that's something that you mentioned as well. Yeah, definitely. So we have a monthly pulse survey around essentially self-reported levels of happiness, productivity, well-being, and work-life balance, and we've seen that consistently trend up since uh, rolling out the four-day work week. So, like, give you some stats: like, ninety-seven percent of all the employees in the business, you know, strongly agree or agree that. The four-day work week positively impacts their well-being, positively impacts their productivity. You know, 97% say they're proud to work for the company. 97% would recommend it as a great place to work. And so I think we've definitely seen that address. And I think it, we can overwhelmingly say it was incredibly successful in making the lives of our employees better across the board. And so I think that, for me, was probably the most important part. And then the other one was on talent acquisition. It absolutely put a rocket underneath the business. There was no no questions about it. Like to give you probably one of the more recent ones, like following the, so the four-day work week rollout, in the first 45 days since announcing it, we had more applicants than the preceding four and a half months. Um, and so overall for us, our talent engine is up about 283% um, since we rolled it out. And, you know, we couple that with parts that Kenzo mentioned around, you know, we're fully distributed, you can work from anywhere, we take people from wherever they are in the world, we just want the very best talent in the organization. That has made it so much easier for us in this very difficult environment to be able to hire and, and scale like crazy. And, and we've done exactly that. We don't really have any issue in the business today of attracting that talent. We just have to continue to grow and execute. And then obviously, we fill those roles as, as we go. Um, and it's really sort of made that not an issue that we have to focus on. And, and now there's actually a slightly different issue, which is how do you deal with so many applicants and process them well and, and get back everyone? But that's a great issue to have. And like we'd much rather have that one than the former. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 
Has your office moved to a four-day work week? What would your ideal work arrangement look like? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us with the hashtag new way we work. The new way we work was produced by Joshua Christensen with editing by Nicholas Torres. Thank you.